We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, I assume this story was not one that you talked about while I was gone. Nope. (laughs) And I probably wouldn't have either. Uh, But the Huffington Post has done a look at the latest in the, I guess we can still call it a scandal, uh, between uh, Amy Robach and TJ Holmes. They were the former co-hosts of Good Morning America, who were both, I guess, going through divorces at the time. They became a couple. Daily Mail got a hold of it, outed it, and then they eventually both lost their jobs as co-hosts of that show. Now, their exes, one of whom her um, her ex is Andrew Shue, who was an actor, uh, and uh, T.J. Holmes' wife, I don't know. But their exes are now dating and are a couple. That's weird. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I, apparently common. Really? Or not uncommon, as I use the double negative. It happens. And, and the Huffington Post tried to figure it out a little bit. And their headline was, why do people fall for their ex's partner. Did I say that the right way? Their partner's ex. Yeah. Why do people, why do exes fall for each other? You get it a little bit, right? Because you can sympathize with what the other is going through. Your wife and your husband got together. They cheated on you. They got together and you now start talking to sympathize about this experience that you're both going through. And somehow that becomes love. Here's my curiosity about this, and this is one of those that there's no right answer for, but I'd be curious what you think about it, which is if, okay, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. The two of them who were cheating on each other, the two GMA hosts, Mm -hmm. got together, and they're still together, are they not? Yeah, they okay, are. yeah, yeah they, and public about it. They're still very much a couple. Um, my wife just texted me and said the same thing happened with Shania Twain, apparently. This <laughs> is so okay. Uh, I didn't know that, but that, that uh, do you think it's possible that because, okay, those two got together because there was obviously a connection between them, even though they were already married to other people. So uh, I guess what it comes down to is do you think that the other two ended up getting together because? I mean, everybody has a type, right? So right. is that part of this? Do you see where I'm going? Where yes. if, if TJ Holmes uh, cheated with Amy Robach, then maybe she was in some ways like his wife. And same thing with Andrew Shue. So they met each other and were like, hey, we're compatible. We get on pretty well together. Yeah. The two men are alike. Yeah. And the two women are probably alike. And exactly. so you're just, weirdly, you're just switching them out. Yep. Switch, yeah. switching one for the other and, and it's still kind of the same relationship which yeah is is again all kinds of strange it's gonna make thanksgiving with the one you a were little with weird then. yeah because <laughs> I, that that's and i mean it's a leap to say that they do have those sorts of commonalities between them because jen and i have been over over and over and over this that her first husband and i have no commonality nor does she mm-hmm. and my first wife you know, there's nothing alike about them in terms of their personality and the way they look at things. They're very different, which is one of the reasons Jen and I work. 
Boy, that's interesting um, because both make sense to me that you would, that you have a type. Most people have a type yep. or at least um, qualities that they find appealing. And so it makes sense to me if your second spouse is a lot like your first in a lot of ways because there are certain qualities that you like. It's weird to me that you just kind of swap out the partners and you just kind of, yeah, because th that's basically what it is. You're just, you're just swapping them out. Jen's right. Let me read to you a couple of sentences and see if you can keep track of the love triangle or <laughs> love, love square okay. that happened here with Shania Twain. Uh, Shania Twain had been married to Mutt Lang, who was a producer. Uh, they divorced 15 years ago after he had an affair with Shania's best friend. Marianne, Marie Ann, excuse me. Two years later, Shania married Marie Ann's ex-husband. <laughs> okay, so it is. It's exactly the it's same exactly story. It's exactly the same thing. Yes. He has an affair first with her best friend. That wasn't the situation here. But he has an affair with her best friend. So she marries her, I assume now, ex-best friend's ex-husband. Wow. Wow. Okay. I, yeah, that, boy, it's such a strange thing, but, um, I mean, it's, it's not the strangest thing. I mean, there's weirdness, I guess, in any relationship, but it, the, the fact that it all came together, we're talking about within the last, what, year? When did the story Very quickly yeah, yeah. When, about when did the story break about TJ Holmes and, and Amy Robach? Was it, that wasn't more than a year, a year and a half ago, right? I want to say it was like last summer. Yeah, that's yeah, that so. seems to me. Yeah, right around there. So, um, yeah, the the fact that not only did uh, Andrew Shu and Marilee Feibig meet because of all of this, we can assume that it was because of all of this that you know the two of them met at all. Although they might have known each other by going to you know uh, Good Morning America network functions and things like that, they may have met before, but they probably didn't spend a whole lot of time talking until this happened. That's fast. Um, someone told me, or maybe I read this while I was gone, that, um, and this is weird too, but like the two couples previously had hung out. Like they were friends. Okay. The, the two couples were friends. Yeah. Because there are pictures out of Andrew Shu and Mary Lee together as friends long before any of this happened. And so what they're saying is, well, we were always friends. It just blossomed into something else in the midst of all of this and they and they also still have the moral high ground of being able to say well at least we waited until we were divorced to start going out with each other okay nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight it's it's i'm going to assume boy if we have anybody that can that does that did both i would love to hear it but did you date or did you get together with let me make sure i say this your ex's ex you know what I mean? Like, yeah. did you did you have a version of this where you because I I get it, but I want someone to explain it to me a little more. Trauma bond is the term the story uses that you're bonding over this experience just because. Yeah. And obviously they'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> they could talk about what a bunch of louses their exes were, uh, you know, for doing what they did to them. But uh, yeah, how much of of those kinds of bonds? I mean, when you put it in those terms, it sounds like almost a death sentence for the relationship. If right. that's if that's all they have in common, which clearly it wasn't if they were friends before, but if that's all they have to talk about, that's going to run out at some point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If, if you're just, um, especially because 
you're the first relationship after mm -hmm. your divorce. And that doesn't always like the, the, um, the chances of that working out usually aren't great, especially yeah. if it's immediately after. And this was pretty quickly after. What seems even stranger to me are couples that, and, and I know somebody like this, a friend of mine when I was in school, his parents had done this, where they got married, they had him, then they divorced, both married other people, mm -hmm. and then years later divorced the other people and married each other again. That I understand. That makes a little more sense to me, right? Like You, you know what you're in for. It was your first love. You all, like maybe you got married too young. Maybe you needed more life experience. Maybe, 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 and then you find your way back to back to each other. I kind of, that's kind of romantic. Yeah. I kind of like that. And as far as I know, they they were they remained together. You know what I mean? The second time they were together forever. Um, and like I said, I mean at that point, you know nothing is a surprise. <laughs> so uh, you're already pretty comfortable with what you're going to be getting into. I can't believe Mutt Lang cheated on Shania with her best friend. What a... <laughs> wow. Hey, the guy produced ACDC, okay? Come on, we can give him a little bit of deference here. And Shania. I mean, that wasn't... Yeah, that's a, true. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't nothing, but... Wow. No, that's in fact, that's why not to get too far off into a music tangent, but uh, yeah, that that was responsible for the huge country music boom in the late 90s. That happened because of grunge, because when grunge popped, they fired all the rock producers and those guys had to do something. So they all went over into country music and started making it sound good. I went three, five, eight, six, seven, seven, nine, eight. I think the the idea is fascinating, especially if it lasts. Like, especially if it's not just this fling that you have because, you know, you call each other up to talk about this horrible thing and you have a drunken night, whatever. Like, I'm especially interested if that second relationship works better than your initial one. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, so I'm also shocked that TJ Holmes and What's-Her-Face are still together. I'm shocked really? that that's still a thing. You yeah. thought that would have been as soon as the scandal broke, that would have broken them up? Yeah. No way. Especially because I find him to be a little slimy, but I'm I'm shocked that that's still. <laughs> well, he speaks so highly of you, though. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't go on national television. I, yeah, that's show, true. So. And, and cheat on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. Oh no, I totally get it. I just I just think it's funny. I mean, the whole thing. Any any celebrity sex scandal is going to automatically have that guy who's going to come off as not being the uh, very much above board one, and he deserves it. Well, Look what he did. Didn't he also? have relationships with interns yes. yeah there was that part too yeah there was he he and his wife were on their way to getting a divorce not because of amy robach because we nobody knew that was happening yet but they were on their way to getting a divorce because he was accused of sleeping around with everybody yeah all right if you can relate in any way 913-586-7798 still to come this hour uh you were telling me about another time where this has happened but the one of the mass shooters that we've had lately uh, they're going to run some scientific tests on his brain to try to get to some of the heart of what happened. I just have weird feelings about it. We'll get to that story still to come here in KMBZ. All right. TJ Holmes, Amy Robach, formerly of Good Morning America, are still a couple, despite having cheated on their spouses with each other together. They became a couple. They were both going through divorces. I think those divorces were kind of on, already sort of on the way out anyway, but yeah. they they got together. Now, their exes are a couple, 
And the Huffington Post pointed out, uh, Shania Twain seems to be the best example of this, of that happens where two people cheat, they become a couple, and their exes become a couple. Just wild. And if you've, again, got any kind of experience with something like this, hit us up. 913-586-7798. And on the, on the getting married, getting divorced, and then getting remarried thing, somebody on the text line pointed out Richard Burton and, and Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, she was married, what, eight times, nine times? He just happened to be two of them. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. she, she was going to get around to everybody eventually. Well, let's go to Beverly and Lawrence. Hello, Beverly. Hello, how you doing? Doing fine. What's Great. on your mind? My ex-husband, I divorced him because he was getting uh, where he hit me all the time. Ew. Well, that's wow. not good. So anyway, I divorced him, and I married a guy from work, and he divorced his wife. And then my husband got together with her, and they got married. And then I married the guy that I got with, her husband. Well, they stayed together until she died. Okay. And I divorced mine again, another one. And I got together with somebody else I worked with. And I'm noticing a pattern here. You need to write a yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, right. And I divorced him and got together with another man at work who was my boss. And his wife's name was Beverly, too. And I stayed with him until he passed away. But yeah, it does happen. Yeah. It happened twice to me. But my first husband, he got together with my uh, second husband's wife. How did they know each other? Did did they know each other before? Nope. They did not. They just they met because each- of the divorce. Okay. Right. They got together, and then they married, like I said, until she died. And... I was with mine, her ex-husband, till he passed away. Yeah. And I'm single, but I'm not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you, if you go back into the office, Beverly, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I want to know where you worked. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of business was this? Oh, it, it was something else. We all, <laughs> and we did get together, all of us did. Oh, Really? Oh, uh, yeah, and went to what? my daughter-in-law's family for Christmas. Oh, wow. To be a fly on the wall at that meeting. Yeah, it was tenuous, believe me. <laughs> All right. Colin really, would like a diagram yeah, really, to be gonna, able to follow everything you just said. We're going to have to go to the flowchart <laughs> for this. Is there like a map or a flowchart <laughs> yeah. or something? Really? That's great. Yeah. Beverly, thank you. That's... <laughs> Wow, what a wild story. I mean, you want to ask, how small was the town you came from? You know, it's, right. it's like if everybody knew each other, uh, then then maybe. But, I, yeah, it is it is strange. Uh, you, you dig into the details on some of these relationships and how people meet up and just what they see in each other. It's wild. And sometimes how fast it happens. 
Yeah. Like it's amazing sometimes how quickly, I guess when you know, you know, you know, maybe that's just kind of how the world works, but just how fast. And, and you kind of wonder, um, because a lot of times people will say, well, it just started as friendship and then it just became something else. Like, did it? Or did you get together? Like, again, I have Shania Twain in my head. Like, did you call your now ex-best friend's ex-husband? And it, like, was was there intention there? Yeah. Or did it just naturally happen? Oh, God, I could tell you a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Uh, well, okay. So when when Jen and I got together, uh, you know, I was I was on my way to a divorce that was already happening. Uh, but we've known each other forever. We we met yeah. in sophomore year of high school, so we've yeah. known each other for you know a zillion years. So um, I knew her first husband very well. In fact, I was the best man at her first wedding, which is also weird, but okay. And when it became clear, uh, the the child that they had together is my son Stephen. And he was at the time 17. So we had to, when she was going to move up, we had to go to her ex-husband. And, you know, we took him out to dinner and told him, hey, this is what's going on. And and are you okay if we do this? And what kind of arrangements should we make for visitation and all of that? Um, and immediately he went to my ex-wife and said, are you aware of this? Do you know what's going on here? And did everything he could to try to break us up. Now, considering the fact that those two had been divorced for about 20 years at that time, it was sort of pathetic. What's the point behind that? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I'm still not sure. I think he thinks of it as a competition, and this means that I won. So, and believe me, I think I won too, but that's another story for another day. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know. It was just the strangest thing when I got a really nasty email from my ex-wife going, did you do all of these things? And I was like, uh... Yeah, when I was 16, (laughs) you know, it was people. I mean, that kind of thing. If you think that that you still have an in where you don't, people will do some amazingly bizarre things. I am just now trying to imagine um, my parents were divorced, but to my knowledge, there was no cheating anywhere. They just divorced and eventually married other people. Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine, well, my dad didn't get they were engaged, but I'm trying to imagine now if like my stepdad had ever gotten together with my dad's, yeah, it's just weird to think about the couples being different. And it's hard to imagine those people. Like you said, going back to the idea that you have a type, yeah, uh, uh, it, it just it's hard to it's just hard to imagine. Sure. And and at that point, even though they didn't get together, I mean, her Jen's first husband has been married to the the, the woman that he cheated with for since then. You know what I mean? For a very mm-hmm. long time. Uh, but yeah, even if he had gotten together with my ex, I would have just kind of giggled. <laughs> it's like, boy, you two deserve each other. That's actually kind of fantastic. All right. If if all of you need help kind of following what's been going on, we understand. <laughs> Same thing. Um, I we'll see what ends up happening with uh with the exes here of TJ Robach and emails. They're doing like a podcast together. Like they're they're still very much out in public you, with this. You get the feeling that they kind of want to be uh Dax Shepard and and what's her name? Um uh, Oh, they are a long way oh, from that. Oh, yeah, no, I'm saying, but you get the feeling that they want to be that. And yet they're totally never going to be that. Yeah. Uh, no. What is her name? Why can I not think of her name? She's adorable. The little too. blonde. Um, yeah. yeah. Who was on uh, The Good Place and, and Veronica Mars. I can remember all of her roles and I can't for the life of me pull her name out of my head. But those two. Yeah. 
This is killing me. Somebody at text line knows too. <laughs> Colin, Kristen Bell. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, well done, Colin. What was she? Wasn't she a, um, in a animated film? Star Marshall. Yeah. No. What was the, the animated film? She, uh, yeah, she was uh, Frozen. She was Frozen. One of the voices in Frozen. Yeah. Wow, that took some work. Okay, yes. No, they will never be that. That couple is adorable, and he's actually entertaining. And yes, and and real and authentic, and and they're good together, and cute kids, and the and, whole bit. And, so and these and TJ and and whatever those two are every stereotypical TV person you've ever heard about in your life. You know, yes. it's like uh, so many great people on the tube, but boy, there's a lot of plastic out there too. Yes. All right, we'll take a break. Coming up, the effort that is underway to try to get to the heart of what happened with the mass shooter in Maine. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Hey, we have you here. Dana Park's coming up 30 minutes from right now. All right, I saw the story this morning, and then you told me uh, this is not the first time that this request has been made, and I just think the idea is interesting, and maybe because I'm not a doctor and I don't get the biology of this, but I still think it's really interesting. So a tissue sample, here's your adult content warning, a tissue sample from the brain of the mass shooter in Maine, the guy that killed 18 and injured 13, has been sent to a lab to be examined for signs of injury or trauma related to his service in the Army Reserves. Um, he Didn't he do training with grenades? Yes. And had an injury at one point. And they're looking to see, because they don't have a lot of other, um, they don't have a lot to go on to try to figure out why he did all this. They're looking to see if there is a connection between the injury that he suffered and the actions that he took in the shooting. Yeah, I'm fascinated to hear how much they're going to be able to glean from taking a sample of his brain and taking a look at it under a microscope to see what kind, if any, what kind of obvious damage there was. But you make a great point in the fact that you know, even if you say, okay, we know what parts of the brain do what. And we know where impulse control is located. We know where uh, rage is located. We know where all of these things are in the brain. So if you look at those pieces and you see some kind of a lesion or a tumor or something like that, you could easily make that leap and say, aha, this is why he went off the rails. But it's not that simple. I mean, the brain is not a, it's not wheels and sprockets. It's a, it's jelly, you know? So even if you have an injury in that area, that doesn't necessarily mean that's why you did what you did. No, the lawyer in me, non-lawyer in me says, if you see an injury or a, um, an imperfection in the part of the brain that controls rage or impulse control, all you know is that that part of the brain has been damaged. Yeah. You don't know what it led the person to do. You don't know intention. You don't know, you can't read thought. 
to know what they were thinking when they decided to do this. And it's also, as we've talked about so many times before, it's it's muddying the waters and screwing up the line between coincidence and causality. You know, just because right. there happens to be a brain injury in the area that controls impulse, that doesn't necessarily mean that it it took away all of your impulse control and anybody who irritated you, you were going to grab a gun and shoot them. It's not that easy to make that leap. And when they're, I mean, it, for the longest time, it was the sort of going wisdom that if there was ever an injury to a part of your brain, that it had no way to repair itself. And what we're finding out really over the last 20 or 25 years is that your brain repairs itself in a kind of an interesting way. When a lesion, or it can anyway, when, when a lesion uh, happens in one particular area of the brain, it tries to move that stuff somewhere else and build more brain tissue and more neural connections there so that it can kind of, I mean, it would be like if you had damage in one room of your house, you just take everything out of that room and put it somewhere else. You just lost me for a second in a really, like, this is what I'm going to be looking up later now. <laughs> I did not, I guess I'm not educated on whether the brain repairs itself or not. Nor am I, uh, to be perfectly honest, but I, I I tend to go down rabbit holes and read journals. Now I want to know all like about that, that. yeah. Yeah, the, because it's the same, uh, well, it's not the same thing, but it's similar to the, the findings from the early part of the 2000s where uh, doing things like simple repetitive tasks can actually stave off or help to stave off things like dementia. Yes. Because you're, you're treating the brain like a muscle, even though it technically isn't one. Not technically, it, it isn't one. Uh, so, but it can, uh, you can increase the number of neural connections in your brain by doing tasks that, uh, that, are, that take a little bit of brain power. So it's, it's not so much repairing itself. Once the damage is done, the damage is done. But it's just finding other ways to accomplish the same thing in a different area of your brain. I just Googled, does the brain repair itself? And yes, they used to, like you said, they used to think no, but they said, yes, it repairs itself by going back to the beginning. Yep. And then we get way into, so yes, it can. Um, it's funny because somebody on the text line just brought up CTE. Yes, that's what they're looking for is um, the tissue samples were sent to a lab at Boston University that specializes in problems associated with brain trauma or CTE. And they're not commenting further because they don't have permission from the family. Okay. But yes, somebody just asked, what implication does that have for the military? Then if we find out that members of the military suffer from CTE, uh, yeah, they're working on a blood test. We're not there yet. Yeah, and, and CTE isn't normally trauma-related. CTE is a, it's a prion disease. It's a, a protein that gets bent the wrong way, and it causes the same kinds of voids in the brain tissue that, uh, that you'll see sometimes with al advanced Alzheimer's. Uh, those, those plaques are a little bit different in structure, but it's the same idea. You've got things muddying up the works that, that grow inside the brain. But, yeah, the, the other cases that you kind of alluded to, Charles Whitman, who was, I believe it was 1966, he was the one who climbed the Texas Tower and started shooting people. Uh, spree, uh, not a spree killer, a multicide. Uh, and, and he ended up dead as, you know, by the end of that, uh, by the end of that standoff, they came up and got him. But he killed a lot of people that day, and he was under the impression that he had a brain tumor that was causing his violent behavior that was never confirmed, 
But um, the the other one, the case of Phineas Gage is one. Mm-hmm. That's the one where the guy, he was working on uh, some kind of construction project back in the 1800s. And a spike blasted itself up through the bottom of his jaw, behind his eye, and into his brain and out the top of his head. He lived, but because it destroyed part of his prefrontal cortex, his impulse control was gone. And he went from being what was described as a really pretty nice guy before the accident to being incredibly hard to predict, very volatile, uh, down to fight at any moment. And it, you know, it's largely believed it was because of that brain injury, because it dro- destroyed the part of his brain that kept him from being able to stop from strangling somebody who richly deserved it. So it feels like the new insanity plea. Yeah. Um, there's one of the articles that was written about Charles Whitman as I look it up is how responsible are killers with brain damage? Again, you can, you can plead insanity. You can say a doctor can examine you and say, this person was insane. They don't know right from wrong. We can't let them back out in society for killing whoever, but we're, we, we're not going to imprison them because of, of insanity. Is it, it, can it become something that you can say I had brain damage I can't be responsible for these actions. And then you get it. In this case, it doesn't matter because he's gone. Yeah. This guy is, de- is dead, obviously. Right. But in cases where they're not gone, cases where if we can eventually test for CTE or it's a brain tumor and they're alive and we we know that, does that let them out of criminal responsibility? Yeah. Um, and by the way, let me back up on something because I screwed up. Uh, I was, I was uh, you, you mentioned CTE. That's uh, chronic traumatic... Uh, encephalopathy yeah Mm -hmm. that is the one that is from that's from repeated brain injuries that's the football one i was thinking Mm -hmm. of the the prion disease is cwe chronic wasting um that yeah that's something else so my apologies for screwing those two up but uh yeah it it, it's it's a great question because it helps i mean it's one that you would have to deal with if somebody lived through a mass killing or something along those lines But even if you know that somebody has no impulse control and they do have that kind of volatility, what do you do about it before they end up shooting somebody? That's what I was wondering, too. What if you know you have a TBI, some kind of traumatic brain injury or a brain tumor or something, and a doctor knows? Again, all we know from looking at your brain is a doctor can look at your brain and know what that's leaning up against or what was damaged. And if that's the impulse or rage control part of your brain, if you know that about yourself... What do you do? What do you yeah. to keep yourself from doing this thing that if you do it, you're not going to be held responsible for it? Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, we don't tend to institutionalize people the way we did in the 50s. Right. And you can't put Especially somebody, when you haven't done anything yet. Right. I was about to say, you can't put somebody in prison for a crime they haven't committed. So what do you do with a person and I, I, I if, boy, if somebody else come up with another analogy, I'm having a hard, hard time coming up with one. Again, the insanity plea is the only thing I can come up with. Yep. But usually you don't make that plea until after the thing has happened. What do you do if, what do we, what happens if we get to a point where we can diagnose CTE ahead of time? And we know wow. that yes, if the impulse control part of your brain will lead you to extreme violence, what do you do as a preventative measure? Yeah, I, I mean, if you go back into the the place where we all learned about CTE in the first place, back to the NFL and all of the studies that were done on ex-football players, I mean, you have guys like uh, Junior Seau who took himself out. 
I mean, mm-hmm. he, he saw it going that way, didn't want to be that, and shot himself. And specifically shot himself in the heart so that he could have his brain studied after he died. So he, at least he was, you know, I hate to say this because he's dead, but he saw clear to what was going to happen and mm-hmm. and could not see himself going there. And so he took it into his own hands. But if somebody doesn't, and they're already too far gone. I mean, what do you do with guys who are 20 years retired from the NFL and starting really to see these kinds of symptoms pop up? Boy, if you want to, 913-586-7798. The other thing I wonder about then is, because we're talking about the military here, think about the injuries that you get in the military. I mean, think about the, the hits and everything that you can take. Should the military be doing more? in terms of equipment or whatever it is, or you take somebody out, you know, if, if they've had some kind of injury that doesn't even seem that bad, if it's to the brain, do you not let them go back to any kind of service? Oh, wow. And and I want to be very careful about this and say right from the outset, I don't know if any study has even started on this, but boy, uh, you talk about combat and, and not just injuries sustained, but concussion sustained oh, yeah. from explosions oh, yeah. and things like that. And what about a tie-in between that and PTSD? Keep going. If 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 there is, and as far as I know, there has never been one proven, but if there is a, a link between not just a predisposition to uh, something like post-traumatic stress disorder that you could get in combat, could that be exacerbated? Could it be worse or could it, uh, speed the onset of something like post-traumatic stress disorder because you have something related to CTE and a repeated concussion disorder to go along with it. Wow. Um, because mood comes from the brain the same way that all of the rest of it does. Um, and and I, I also want to make clear, I did not just call PTSD a mood. I, I'm well aware there's, yes. there's a vast degree of difference, but if, if, all of a sudden, somebody who isn't given to clinical depression is, you know, goes through a traumatic situation like that, where not only is it a traumatic hit in a psychic, you know, in a psychological way, but is also a physical hit. Could those two things work together and give us a whole new appreciation for what uh, what causes or is sort of behind? shell shock, PTSD, whatever you want to call it. I am. This is what I'm going to be reading about tonight because I just think it's so interesting. Uh, If you have thoughts, we put a lot on the table here. Feel free to get in with your, if you have experience with concussions, I mean, it's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be a major traumatic brain injury. It can just be a hit. That can be enough sometimes. Uh, Give us a call. We'll wrap with your comments next on KMBZ. Okay, we're talking about seemingly advancements in healthcare or what we're going to do as we get more information, hopefully ahead of time, about brain injuries and CTE. Let's go back to the phones and uh, bring in Susan and Independence who's got a story to tell. Hello, Susan. Hi. What's on your mind? Um, I had a traumatic brain injury in 2011 from um, a robbery that I was involved in, and I was pistol whipped and left in the middle of a store that I was working at, and the police found me and thought I'd been shot in the face. Wow. Yeah, so it's caused severe PTSD, panic disorder, anxiety, all kinds of stuff. I've had to go on disability and can't work. 
Um, I have a lot of short-term memory loss, and I don't remember a lot from, like, certain periods in my life from, like, I don't, I, I guess, like, when I was really young to, like, eighth grade, and then it's kind of bits and pieces. It just kind of, some things will pop into my head, and I'm thinking, oh, I haven't thought of that in a long time, but I know a lot of it is just from being hit in the head and, you know, all that, and they've they've said that I've had, there's like dark spots on my brain from the trauma, but they've never, they've never like tried to go in depth. And I don't know, I I guess you can't really fix the problem. So, but it has caused severe PTSD. Have they, have they made that connection and told you that the physical injury was part of the, the PTSD and the anxiety and the rest of it? Yes. They have. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And she, my, my, um, psychiatrist years ago told me that usually if you have some, everyone has like a certain level of anxiety, but when you go through something traumatic, it usually draws that out. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of drew mine out and like exacerbated it. So like now I have OCD and like, I have to make sure all the windows are locked before I go to bed. I have to make sure the door's locked, like, seven times before I even go in my room. I have to shut my bedroom door when I sleep, even though I live alone. So, you know, it's just, it's a lot. Yeah, I'll bet. Wow. Well, thanks for telling the story. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. And, yeah, we had found a couple of real brief things online about that, about the fact that apparently we're not the only ones to ask, is there a physical component to something like PTSD? And the answer seems to be yes. Boy, we don't have enough time to get into this part of it, but I didn't think about the memory issue. Yeah. And what happens if you have someone, again, I'll use the military, who has to remember how certain weapons work or the rules that were assigned to them based on whatever conflict they're in. And we don't realize that that memory loss has happened and you let them keep fighting. It makes me wonder if, if at some point we're going to be changing the standards based on, you know, just like if somebody gets a concussion, we pull them out of, out of game for a while. Do we need to start doing that with other things? Yeah. It sounds like it. Unbelievable. So um, again, I, I don't know how long it's going to take to get the samples back or what we're going to learn about the main shooter and what the family will even tell us. But hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about that when those results come back. So that does it. That's a Monday for us. Uh, we'll turn this over to Dana Parks. Everybody have a good rest of your day. We'll be back tomorrow here in KMBZ. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.